I'm Elizabeth Rago. And I'm Stephanie Donovan. And together, we are Modern Domestic Moms. A podcast where we discuss our mama mania, sharing our perceptions and insights as we relate to you and the moms around us. So go ahead, fill your glass, and join in with us on the conversation. Because mama ain't easy. And you don't have to do it alone. Come Come sip with with us. us. Yay! Hello! Hello. (gasps) Ooh, we said that at the same time. Um, Right off the bat, I'm sorry I sound like a frog, a cracked out cheerleader. You sound sexy. Oh, thanks. I've been in bed for 10 days. Yeah, you've had a rough week to 10 days. Yeah, I've been in bed since Thanksgiving with two different viral infections, and I feel terrible. But I slapped on the cadaver makeup today and just (laughs) decided to go for it because we had a bang up guest. And when when you get a guest like that, you fucking rally and you get out of bed and you do the interview. You put on the makeup and the bra. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I <laughs> Well, do. maybe not the bra, but <laughs> Well, I'm so excited for our episode today, but first let's do some housekeeping. Okay, let's do it. Um so, updates for the modern domestic woman. What I want you to do is hop on over to the blog on mdwcares.com and check out some of the interviews that I've been doing lately with amazing women. So the whole premise of the modern domestic woman is to support women in their time of need when you're going through a bad season and you need a referral or you just need some support. So in addition to those support services that I list um, on my website, I do have a blog where I give a voice to so many different people and women who are not only local to our area, but around the country. Um, So I'm just so super excited about some of the um, interviews that are coming up and just can't wait for you guys to check them out. And if you'd like to subscribe to my weekly newsletter, you can just go to the bottom of the website at mdwcares.com and subscribe. And I would love to chit chat with you. And they are so inspirational, those stories, and they're just all around good people. But yeah, it's a place for women, by women, supporting women. It's it's awesome. And there's no focus on perfection. No. Absolutely not. There's no judgment. Come, tell your story. We're going to give you a platform, a positive platform to do that at, and I'm just very proud of it. So. Very good. Okay. Do you know what I want for Christmas? A podcast you've never listened to before? <laughs> I don't know if I know. I might have enough of those. A new murder documentary? Ooh, kind of. But I want you to go over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. And I want you to follow us, many of you who listen do already, but at MDM the Pod on Instagram. We have so much fun on Instagram. You can see our hair color blunders from the episode that we just did. (laughs) Those were fun. But follow us there. And also, if you do, just rate and review us. Give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us so much to be found by other people looking for podcasts. Well, and then I'll just show up at your door and give you a great big smoochie. Yeah, do that. Or not. A little creepy. Um, <laughs> okay, shall we pass the pot love? Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, we'd be amiss if we didn't give the love to an all-star female podcaster this week, Kate Casey. Kate currently has 416 episodes, holy wow, of her podcast, Reality Life with Kate Casey, where she interviews directors, producers, and reality stars from unscripted television. She talks about all the things I love, and she does it in a no-bullshit, all-in, investigative journalism type of way. Love it. If you love reality and you love real docuseries, you will love it. So subscribe to it and follow her show for a deep dive of quality content 
content twice a week, Reality Life with Kate Casey. I love her. I know. Me too. Okay. Well, before we get started on our recommendations, we should go ahead and play our interview with Kate Casey herself, reality TV Spartan and podcasting star. And just a lovely human being. So she uh, sat down with us to talk about her recent recommendations and things that you should definitely be watching. So here we go. So now before we get into our recommendations, Elizabeth, first we've got a heavy hitter. Someone I actually never thought we'd get on here, but under the blur of Benadryl, I decided just to (laughs) shoot my shot and ask her this week. Kate Casey is the titan of reality TV coverage and an icon of female podcasters. Starting in 2016, twice a week, she delivers a hit podcast where she guides you unscripted TV viewing, bringing you behind the scenes look into the lives of the characters and the people who created the shows that they're on. Her interview technique is flawless. She dives right in, asks the questions you didn't even realize you absolutely needed to know, made headlines on People, Us Weekly, Newsweek, and a million other reality TV series. I first learned about her listening to the Jenny McCarthy show on Sirius XM, and I've been listening to her podcast for years now. She'll tell you what to watch, what to look for, and what she thinks about it. And every time you'll be thinking, God, Kate, you're so right. Kate, thank you for coming onto the podcast today. First of all, can, can I get that printed yeah. out so I can frame that when I feel like like garbage? Yeah. Very kind and appreciated very, very much. Oh, good. Yes, of course I'll send you your intro. I love that people (laughs) like them. So Kate is bringing us five things to watch, which you do all the time. If you follow her on um, her podcast, Reality Life with Kate Casey, she tells you what to watch weekly. But what do you have for us? What's new, current, and good? Oh my God, there's so many things. I feel like I go to a dinner party and then I start talking about things I'm watching. And then if I find out the person I'm talking to is particularly interested in one kind of thing, I might go off on that tangent. I'm always trying to find the perfect menu for each person. But I would say just as like what I'm into, which I kind of think I have a good scope of what other people would be into. The first one was this documentary that I saw a couple weeks ago because they were kind enough to send me it ahead of time. And it's called Adrian, and it's about Adrian Shelley. It's on HBO, and she was this wildly talented actress, director. And she made a movie called Waitress that went on to get a nomination at the Academy Awards. Carrie from Felicity, she was in it. And so what happened was she lived in New York. She and her husband had a young daughter, and she complained about the noise, and the neighbor came up and ended up murdering her, but had posed it to look like she committed suicide. And it was devastating because she was so so talented. And of course her family first was like, this doesn't make any sense. And then the sequence of events, it kind of, you know, reveals itself. But in this documentary, you really get to hear about who she was. I always feel, or I felt as I watched it, like I was mourning because I was crying throughout it, mourning the loss of a friend I never met. I missed out on a friendship with somebody that, our lives never crossed and she's gone. And it just, it was profoundly beautiful. And well, yeah, it was, so with that one is a, a really good one. And if you are the kind of person that like Adrian, I always say you should watch the documentary on Natalie Woods. It's called what still remains and her daughter, Natasha did it with a dear friend of Natalie's. And I don't know what it is, but I think I've watched it about six times. Every time I watch it, I cry. I don't know if you guys have ever felt this where 
you hear someone talk or hear their story. I, and I feel like I know this person, like I'm connected to them and I don't know why. And she, I mean, she died when I was like four. So it's not like I knew her in a past life or something. Like, I just feel like her story resonates with me so deep in my soul. And I remember interviewing, um, Rosanna Arquette and afterward we were chatting and I asked her if she had seen it. And I said, I think that Natalie Wood is my person. And she said, I feel like she's my person too. Like I don't, but when you watch it, you, you're mourning the end of a life that could have been so much bigger. Like, Mm -hmm. I think she would have run a studio. I think that she was on the cusp of telling people her me too movement stories. I think she would have been, had she lived breaking barriers for women. And maybe it was because also the story about her being a mother and being at that point of her life. I think she was 43 when she died Mm -hmm. and being at that point where she's trying to navigate work and raising a, a family. And she still had Uh, all these opportunities. And she was somebody who I think maybe that's part of it too, that I resonate is like, I feel like I'm always doing things kind of in the background that no one really knows about. And sometimes I get frustrated because people who do good things, they get squashed. I feel like in my professional life, it's really hard for me to break down certain barriers. And Mm -hmm. I've always just believed like to be the better person and to, and to work hard for other people and it will pay off. And I feel like she was like that and that and died without really getting the credit for it. So in this documentary, they kind of touch on that. Robert Redford says, you know, I only got this job because of her. She was the one saying, you've got to hire Robert. Like you've got Bob, you've got to hire him. You've got to hire him. So I like that part of her and how she was a great mom, but also she had a really great relationship with her ex-husband, who is Natasha's father. So much so that when she died, Robert Wagner took the whole family to Europe and stayed with her ex-husband and his wife to kind of escape and spend time with them as like a family unit, just kind of like bear down and protect the girls from the media. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I feel like her story, it's like so many interesting things that I would have never known if I had not watched documentary. And then I ended up buying the book that her daughter wrote. And like, that's somebody I would definitely love to interview as her daughter. But anyway, so I think you watch Adrian and then after that you watch the Natalie Wood. And then if you watch the Natalie Wood one, you got to watch the Rita Moreno <laughs> Netflix documentary because she is 90 and she had her Me Too movements as well. And is only now, I think, getting credit in terms of her fight for women now. And mm-hmm. she's in the Steven Spielberg uh, West Side Story coming out and there's like Oscar buzz about her. It would be unbelievable for her to get an Oscar for the same movie all these years, Yeah, you know, apart. Okay. So that's the, like the female empowerment kind of thing for funny, just like kick it hilariousness. YouTube has the show called the Armenian dating show. And it is so funny because it's like the bachelor, but, but take away the rose ceremony and you get to meet the Armenian families and they're, they pull no punches. Like they're just, they keep it real. And it's just like normal everyday people. And I think it's really clever and totally worth a watch. So that's super funny for a anthropological, psychological unpacking, believe it or not, I recommend Paris and love on Peacock about Paris Hilton because there is so much going on that I find fascinating. Number one, I don't know how I feel about this guy that she married. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I feel like there's going to be some sort of documentary later. Like, like what's his real story about his businesses? Like, 
I don't know. It seems kind of weird. I get a weird feeling and I could be off, but I think I have uh, um, intuition. Yes. So there's that. She still sucks in the baby voice every now and then. And, and, and then you're unpacking, why does she have the baby voice for that person, but not this other person? Mm-hmm. She doesn't seem to be connected sometimes when she's doing an interview. And then the last episode, she said, I, I'm beginning to realize that I disengage when I'm uncomfortable. And so I'm like, not with you when you're talking to me. And you can now go back and look at the episodes and be like, oh, she's checked out. Then the relationship that she has with her mother, which is very fascinating. She said the last episode, she in a scene with her brother, but I'm like, where did this brother come from? And then you start deep diving the brother and you're like, this is so weird. Mm-hmm. But they basically both say they don't talk to their mom about anything in depth because she likes to have a good vibe all the time. And then you're unpacking that and like, what would it be like to grow up in a house like that? Um, so I think that if you're somebody who likes to kind of pick away at things, that one is really just wildly entertaining. The Beatles Get Back on Disney Plus is great for somebody who loves music because it goes into a lot of the history and the lyrics and the relationships between the band members. And if you like that, you have to watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is on HBO that came out last week because the Go-Go's, they got an award and I was loving their performance and Drew Barrymore gave their uh, intro. It was really well done. And a lot of it's from the documentary that you also have to watch that is on HBO about the Go-Go's it's called the Go-Go's. Maybe no, it's Showtime. Sorry. I interviewed Jane Weedland from the band. It was like, I couldn't even believe my luck. She's so cute. But also the story of Clarence Avant. He got an award at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's like a manager and they call him the Black Godfather. And so when he, they told his story and he curses all the time. And I'm like, this is guy I would like love to be around. (laughs) And so he gets his award, Lionel Richie presents it. And he kind of like collects himself and he starts crying and he got a standing ovation. And I thought, okay, I want to see a documentary about that guy only to find out there was a Netflix documentary about him called the black Godfather. His daughter, Nicole is married, Ted Sarandis from Netflix. And they greenlit this documentary and it's, it's really good too, because he's so irreverent and has been the person that has made so many like hit makers like um, Bill Withers. He was a, a, like an airline mechanic and he found him and, you know, he's like in this incredible talent. So many really unbelievable artists are because of Clarence Avent, and he's just got this really funny personality. And then also to find out how instrumental he's been in making sure that black talent is paid well mm-hmm. and really pushing them to help one another out. And uh, that story resonated with me too, because just feeling like I, I want to do that and be that for other women. And I think Clarence is just a riot and is like a great story to tell other people um, who are kind of making their way in industry. So if you watch the Beatles, you got to watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Then you got to watch the Go-Go's documentary. And then you have to watch the Clarence Avon on Netflix. And also another great documentary is the Bee Gees one on HBO. You'll be like singing their songs for like a week after. I'm just so going to lock myself that? in my house. Yeah, I'm going to lock myself in my house for a week. No work. No, the children <laughs> can fend for themselves. And I'm just going to watch all of these back to back to back to back. One thing too, which is like super random, but if you are living with someone or know someone who loves sports, Netflix has a show called formula one about formula and racing, which I absolutely knew zero about formula one. And it goes behind the scenes of the car companies and then the, the drivers. 
and then to find out how they train, which is really interesting, but the, just the business of the formula one is really interesting. And then if you like that, one of my favorite shows on Netflix, this is called QB one and every season of the show, they follow four high school quarterbacks who are obviously the best in their, in their region and it follows their season. And so what's interesting about it is the singular stories that are always profoundly interesting, but also comparing the experiences of one person to another. So Mm -hmm. the classism or elements of racism that they have to battle, or maybe their family, there's someone who's ill or Mm -hmm. extreme privilege and how they're kind of disconnected from the way the rest of the world operates and how lucky they are to have the parents that can finance the camps and all of that. So, and there's just so much to unpack with each episode and there's a new season coming out soon. And one of the quarterbacks is from this local high school where a lot of the players go on to play in the NFL. So it's just, I like, for me, I just find that interesting. I'm a sports person, but Mm -hmm. sometimes the business of sports is what I find really, really cool. And if you like that, then you should watch the tiger woods documentary and the best not the best, but like one of my most favorite sports documentaries is one called Unguarded. And it's on, um, it's part of the 30 for 30 on ESPN series, but you can find it on Amazon Prime. I saw it on a plane on a Sunday, became so obsessed with it. I tracked the guy down the subject of it on a Tuesday and interviewed him on a Wednesday. Oh my God. No, no, I interviewed No, I found him on Monday, interviewed him Tuesday. Episode was out Wednesday. Oh, it was the story of Chris Heron. He was this total celebrity in Rhode Island because he was this unbelievable basketball player. And he went on to get a scholarship for Boston college, which was like a big deal. Like Rhode Island kid goes to Boston college. So in the second day of school, he walks into his room and his roommates doing a line of cocaine. And that's where it all began to spiral out of control. So he was a junkie during college, but playing very well. So Boston college ends up kicking him off the team. And this coach from Fresno state took a chance and had him join the team. And his, by that time he got his girlfriend pregnant and they ended up getting married and they're still together. They have three kids now, but he's like managing this addiction while covering it with his girlfriend, then wife, you know, with his family. Anyway, he becomes a standout star despite the addiction for Fresno state. Mm -hmm. And he goes through how he was playing, like he would play games and people would go junkie, junkie, like crazy. So then he goes to the Utah jazz for his first year and all of the players there surrounded him. And they were like, like emotionally and said, we are not going to let you, you know, use drugs this year. So they would go as a team and have dinner together every night. Like they were great on like protecting them, Mm -hmm. but then he gets traded to Boston and that's where his dealer is. And so Uh. then he starts. And so he like for one scene, he's telling you how, he's at the garden and the game's about to start in like 10 minutes and he's outside waiting for his dealer and he's freaking out. Like I have to, if I don't take something, I can't play. And then the dealer shows up, he takes something. He has this like crazy game. And then he ends up playing in Europe and then it spirals because he doesn't have people around him that are cognizant of his addiction issues. Mm -hmm. And so it almost feels like a movie thriller as you're watching the story. You're like, Oh my God, like he's going to die. And there's, he ends up at this hospital and there's this angel of a woman who said, I knew, I knew your mom because his mom had passed. And she said, I'm not letting you die. I'm going to help you. And so from that day, he was sober and he's been sober like 25 years or something. And he runs rehabilitation programs with his wife. 
And what's unbelievable is he goes around the country and talks to high school kids. And when he does, it's like a real talk. He's like, Mm -hmm. you guys think I'm so cool. Let me just tell you, I was a loser. Like he is like for real. Mm -hmm. So when I interviewed him, I just thought this is the most unbelievable story that has to be a movie. And actually, so then I text (laughs) Jenny and Donnie. Yes. And I said, Donnie do you know Chris Heron? This is, and he was like, oh yeah. I mean, that story is crazy because he's from Boston. He's awesome. huge. Like, yeah. I was like, somebody has to make a movie about this. But that's a crazy story. But anybody who loves sports, you're like, oh, have you, do you know the Chris Heron story? And if they don't know it, I'm like, that's your weekend plans. Like hold <laughs> your ball sack. Like this is going <laughs> to blow your hair back. This is insane. But that's a great one too. I, we, I gave you way more than five. Sorry. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. You know, I think you, you touched upon like an amazing point and it's even if you don't like sports, it is that Mm -hmm. story that everybody is going through something Mm -hmm. that you could be, Mm -hmm. you know, a headliner, huge quarterback. I'm not a huge football person, but I appreciate Mm -hmm the story behind the human being. Yeah. yeah and the struggle and the yeah. success and the failure. And, and the actual, I'm going to do something about it now. So as he's working with kids and, and, you know, kind of pulling back that veil, it's just a beautiful story of humanity. The QB one, I remember I interviewed a quarterback and he had gone to a, a Catholic high school near Parkland. And it was like, he was a senior sh- shooting happened. Mm-hmm. And I had anticipated that I was going to ask this kid, like, how did that change the trajectory of your life to be, you know, in the same town where this catastrophic event happens? And he's like, yeah, it's kind of like not a big deal. And I was thinking, what? what? And then I'm thinking about he had such privilege. I mean, his family just financed so much. And he, this is so emblematic of how you, parents sometimes keep children in a bubble. Yeah, absolutely. Like how... I can't imagine my kids. I mean, Kobe Bryant died and they're all from our town, all of the victims, pretty much all. And everybody in our town was in a fog for like a week. And our kids, Mm -hmm. even my daughter would draw pictures of him and the other girls that died. And I just was like, how could that happen in someone's town? And the child is just like, you know, it was like not that big of a deal. I'm like, this is says so much about our world in, right now. It's like people are yeah. so desensitized to school shootings now. It's wild. Yeah. Boy, this is a real upper conversation. <laughs> this is, a real this is my problem. My husband's like, you suck people into your vortex. And it's like, I can't have like a, like a WhatsApp conversation. I mean, I guess I could, but I feel like inevitably it's like school shootings, like depression, Stephanie's all about it. I I like this is fine. Yeah, no, I'll start talking like exorcisms and paranormal. I get into the docuseries, but then I go in that area more. But I did watch Adrian because you recommended it on your podcast. So good, so sad. But I don't want people not to watch it because it's sad. Because I'm somebody like that. Like I'm an empath, and if I hear I'm going to cry, I won't watch it. Yeah. But watch it anyway, because mm-hmm. it wasn't just heartbreaking. It was really amazing. And the story of the murder is totally interesting because there's mm-hmm. only like one reason that they even caught the guy. Right. And it was just, she was so amazing. I mean, I know, just a different mind. I'm not an empath. I think that that would be really hard to be an empath. It, it is. <laughs> My therapist gets lots of money from it because I'm an empath. So, you know, 
but no, you know what it is. You have to, you have to establish a boundary. I have to establish boundaries with what I watch on TV. So if I go too many like murder documentaries, I'm like, hold on one second. I have to take a break. Um, it's, it's being an empath is about setting up boundaries. So if you don't have boundaries, it can get very overwhelming to just live life. But I'm like you, Kate, like I don't want, well, maybe you do, but I don't watch anything scripted. Next to yeah, nothing, I almost, everything I watch is reality or documentary. Everything. Yeah, I, I just like real people. I don't, yes. I, I'm not really intrigued by made up stories. See how I am because probably because I live in a pretend universe in my own head. <laughs> that makes sense though. <laughs> yeah. 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 I loved that recommendation. I loved Adrian and we'll definitely list all of these for our listeners. I am intrigued by the Paris in love. Because so what was the first one wild. that she did about her story at the school and getting taken in the so middle that, of the night? That's the documentary that she did. Um, yeah. It's called Paris. But even with that one, I'm like, I have so many more questions. Yes. When I watched that one, I was like, there is a lot more here. And she never talks yeah. about like why her mom even allowed these people. She kind of just like glosses over it. My parents didn't really know what they were getting into. And that was it. And it's like, no, but they called these people to come take you in the middle of the night. And what did you do to get this? And mm-hmm. how did they not? I just, I, it's I crazy. Just, I felt like she's just scratching the surface and this probably would have, should have been done five years from now. But if that she needed to do that in order to crack herself open and explore that, then so be it. But I'm telling you, there's like another documentary in five years where she's like, okay, I was like barely keeping my head above water then. Yeah but here's really what happened. Now, you know, I was listening to a little bit culty, which is a podcast. Yeah, no, no, I know them. Yeah. I, I love Sarah Edmondson and she had, she was inter- on my show. You got to listen to that episode. She, I did not know that. Yeah. I to see. Oh, yeah. I love her. She um, had interviewed a girl who wrote and now for the life of me, I can't remember the book, but she wrote a book all about her experience being taken and going oh. to one of these like elite schools that mm-hmm. are like deprogramming you. And they, mm-hmm. they came and got her in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. That's a conversation that's really starting to rev up because these people who are recovering from those situations, they're seeing the injustices in it. And they're trying to take these schools down. I went to a boarding school. So I do kind of relate to the hurt wanting to tell that. I just, it, it is, it is remarkably odd mm-hmm. to send your child away to, I mean, there are some elite schools and I think you have to have the right personality for like a normal boarding school, but I went to one for underprivileged children. So I feel like I was around a lot of kids that were really struggling and still are trying to make heads or tails of it. Yeah. I, I mean, mine was experience was not bad, but still some things I look back at, like I had this boyfriend and he was really emotionally abusive to me. And I didn't have any parents really present to, to notice and right. to protect me. Mm-hmm. And he ended up committing suicide. Um, when I was a senior, he'd graduated and he kept, would call me and just really, it was relentless. But like, even when he was at school and we, I would break up with him, the windows of the school doors were glass mm-hmm. and he would just stand in the window and just stare at me in the middle of class. And it would like rattle me. And there were no teachers that ever kind of stepped in. And then when they told me that he died, like, I just look back at all these things now. And I just think like, this was so damaging. Mm -hmm. It, and sometimes things don't kind of spring up later where I'm interviewing somebody. And then I reflect 
on, you know, that experience and think for me, it was like, they acted like it, I needed to just move on. I think that's why part of me, it's so important that I, when I'm interviewing people that I I feel like they're being heard Mm -hmm. because I think that so much can be healed in the world. If you allow people to just be heard, that's all people, a lot of people just want, they, they matter and and then they're heard. Yes. And to rip that experience from somebody only uh, makes them internalize things, which is, is definitely, you know, the worst. So or shun it yeah. with uh, toxic positivity, you know, well, yeah. you need to think better or you need yeah. to be positive. I think that that is another area that I'm really passionate about saying, no, it's, it's not okay all the time. So let's just listen to this person. Yeah. Let them feel like they've been heard. There's a lot of healing that comes from just being heard. And I shouldn't use the word just, but mm-hmm. a- allowing someone to come into your world hear it and say, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. There's a lot of power in that. There is power in that. Yeah. Well, I think I'm on to your next thing. You need to do chains for people. Like if you like this, do this. If you like (laughs) this, I do think that's a really good, I think infographic. Yeah. Yeah. Like a a cool infographic. I feel like I could make one just from what you've given us. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. I, I should do that. I'll do that this week. I should do a holiday episode where I'm like, if you like this, then you got to do this and then go through these. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so yeah. fun. Okay. I have a couple like podcasty questions for you if you're game. Sure. Okay. Do you write, edit, book guests and produce your yes. podcast on your own? Yes. Okay. Pause. You have four children. I, I have, <laughs> no, I have, I have five. You kids. have five um, children. <laughs> Yeah. I have an audio engineer that I send the audio to, yeah. and then they kind of put it together and upload it. But I'm booking, researching, writing, interviewing all of that myself. You yes. are a powerhouse. You are like a it's podcasting amazing. unicorn. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's, it's just amazing. I thought you did, but I mean, just the time it must take to track these people down. Cause that's what you always say. Like took me a year yeah. to track them down, but I've got them, you know, but it's kind of exciting and prideful when I really get, feel like I got somebody. I like having all of that responsibility myself. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really like it. Like I'm in my head all the time about thinking, macerating ideas in my head. And I don't know, I, I don't know if I've met somebody yet who could, I think could play off that well and help me. I don't know. Maybe there is. That would be hard. Yeah. I get it. That but that you would want to do. It's just it's amazing that you can get it done. To be honest, and oh, twice you. a week you're putting out content. I mean, it's yeah. just it's crazy. Your style of interviewing. <laughs> I wanted to go into this a little bit because after listening to you for a while, it's funny. But I don't want to listen to any <laughs> other reality podcasters because oh. <laughs> I feel like they don't get you get to the point. Like you're so straightforward, and you get there fast, and then you ask questions. And every single time, I love how even if somebody is a little bit leery in the beginning of the interview, they always go, you know, that's a really good question. Like they always <laughs> say that to you. Yeah. And so I just, I know you have a PR background. Can you kind of explain where you mm-hmm. think that interviewing style comes from? Oh, for sure. I think the work helped. Um, I did crisis media litigation for law firms for so long, and I would go and meet with attorney and figure out what makes their practice interesting. And then convincing a reporter to interview them. I made this one white collar crime attorney a superstar because he could talk about white collar crime in relation to the Martha Stewart trial. And so this man who worked at like a rinky dink firm suddenly was all written about everywhere. Like what does George think? And he became like a superstar and ended up starting his own firm eventually. 
like I got such a high off of seeing him be so excited about media opportunities. And I just think um, working with people that are historically mm-hmm. kind of buttoned up and hard to kind of uh, like crack open that challenge, being a young woman in a, in a field where it's predominantly men and finding my voice and my strength. I think like my directness comes from being from Philadelphia, being from like an Irish English family and working in an industry where I had to learn very quickly to stand up for myself and not allow the fact that I was young and a woman get in my way. And I do, I think that I'm always thinking of what the audience member wants to hear, you know, what, like, what, what's the question that they want me to ask? And sometimes that might be something that I'm planning on asking, but quite often it's something that doesn't come into fruition until mid conversation. And I kind of like that sometimes because it feels more organic to me. Like, I don't always like going into it thinking I have to ask that question. Um, I'm, I'm much more satisfied usually when I feel like it happens because it's also feels more like a, a dinner conversation at a dinner party and less like we're in this like tight room with a publicist in the corner. I want them to feel like I'm their friend. In fact, what is a struggle sometimes for me is that I have these conversations and in my mind, I'm friends with that person. Like we've had this really deep connection and we're friends. Like to me, we're friends now. And th- th- quite often it, it's not reciprocated. Yeah. Yeah. Or it gets picked up on like us weekly. That's what I always feel like. You must be like, Ooh, I wonder if they're mad. Cause they always pick up stuff from your interviews and say like on this podcast, they said, do you ever feel like, Ooh, I hope they're okay with that. Sometimes like when I broke the, um, a rod story with, with, um, Madison, I immediately got panicked about my guest because she was my friend and I didn't want her to feel overwhelmed by the attention it was getting. And it was really I couldn't even enjoy the the press that came with that because I was too mm-hmm. concerned about if she was upset by the reaction to it. So it's tricky. Yeah. I do have to point out that I love the fact that there are no throat clearing moments when you are doing <laughs> interviews. It's always because I don't, I don't have time for like BS ever. Right. Like time is my most valuable thing. And you got to like get to the point. And that's what I love is that you are, there's like no BS. It's like, let's get in, let's do it. But I'm also vested in the conversation because it's not, you know, Q and A type. Sometimes in my own life, like I just went to a a seventh grade mom party on Friday night and I learned so much about everyone. And this one mom said, it's hard for you to turn work off, isn't it? I said, it really is. (laughs) But she said, you really do care about people and you're curious. And and that's why people feel, and and that's a simple thing, but it's the truth is that Mm -hmm. most people are selfish and they want to talk about themselves. If you just ask some questions, it leads to others. And if you just keep asking and with kindness and a pure curiosity, you'd be surprised what someone would tell you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, I so agree. I think that's the number one red flag about sometimes when I meet new people, if you realize they didn't ask you a single question, absolutely, yes, then you're like, okay, they're a little bit on the narcissist side of things. I yeah. don't know if we should hang out. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then I have to ask you, what do you think of the new season of Below Deck? I don't really watch it. You don't? I'm obsessed with Below <laughs> it's so Deck. so funny. It's so funny because I had this conversation with a friend like a couple hours ago. I said, you know, oh, yeah. that's why- Below Deck has surpassed Housewives now. More people watch Below Deck than Housewives. Yeah, really. And um, I said, it's so funny because I don't feel like I know anybody that really watches that show, but it really has, the the ratings are better. I think that um, 
it just got too, too predictable. And I don't, and I don't think it's a fault of production or the cast. I just think it's because of the environment that it's in. How many times can you reinvent the wheel on a boat? I mean, and people like goes more over the top with the wackiness. I, I I just got bored by it. Yeah. It is kind of the same formula over and over again. I kind of feel like it's driven by the chief stew and sometimes the captain, but the chief stew, I kind of feel like makes or breaks that series. And in a lot of ways, Kate, I thought was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And then um, I liked Hannah, but she had her demons. And now the one that's currently Heather, she I, I like her, but there's something a little off, just a little, like something's mm. a little bit crazy about her, but I, I think she's doing a good job. So I, I really like the new season. All right. Well, I will, I'll go back and watch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can everyone follow your every move? Reality Life with Kate Casey is available wherever you listen to podcasts and you can find me on Twitter at, at Kate Casey. I tweet about shows and during shows all week long. My Instagram is at Kate Casey CA. Um, my list is available at katecasey.substack.com and that's every Monday in your email box, a list of what to watch Patreon bonus episodes. You can go to patreon.com backslash Casey. And I will tell you all a lot of backstories on people that I hated that I interviewed and what really happens behind the scenes, which is always, I feel like I got to write a book about this bullshit. Yes. Yeah, you do. That's some good stuff. Cause like right now I'm in some bullshit now where I'm like, I'm dying to tell people about it. With people you've interviewed, backlash oh, from uh, it. Oh, and, and networks, yeah, like oh, oh. networks, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. What I the hoops that I have to jump through are that are absurd after five years is just bananas. It's well, crazy. thank you so much. This thank was you, so awesome. yeah. And I'm so just amazed and surprised and thankful that you said yes. So thank you for doing this with us today. I don't know. I feel like I'm like the girl at high school that can't get a prom date. <laughs> You're like because people are like, oh, I just figured you would be interested. I'm like but why? Like, I I love to talk to people like, sure. Why? Like, why not? Yeah. It's just because you're so big. I mean, your, your show is such a hit that for somebody like us that we're on episode, this will be episode 43. We're just starting out. So, but, but that's where it all begins and you like cultivate your craft. And by the way, 43 far, far goes past the, 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 the number that most people will ever do when they create a show. Right. They quit at like 10 or 20. I actually went back before our interview today and listened to your first ever podcast. Oh, it was with a- Ashley, Ashley I. Kennedy. Yeah, and Heather See, like, McDonald. I feel like Ashley, I'm like so connected to her because of it and it's not reciprocated. She's like, oh, hi, Kate. I'm like, no, but you were my first. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you get it? <laughs> now, Heather, I talk to all the time, but yeah, yeah. Ashley, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I'm not that important to you, but you're important to me. See, that is kind of empath-like. I think that people think I am, but I'm really not because I am a ve- I'm very good at like compartmentalizing and turning it off. I, yeah. I, I don't take on other people's feelings. Like, but, like if I'm around somebody, I don't, it doesn't burden me feeling like I'm, I don't worry about them afterwards. I'm very good at that, but I don't know if that's because of life experience. No, it's because you have healthy boundaries. You've established those. We can talk about boundaries yeah. all day long. I'm a, yeah, yeah, maybe. She's, she's one for the psycho babble. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. We will thank stop you. taking your time, but we love you. Thank you. And thank you. Um, Friends forever. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yeah, 
can you believe it's been like 20 episodes since we did a good old-fashioned review of the latest TV we've been watching? Which is insane. Yeah. 20 well, episodes. I did have Michelle, my friend Michelle Lakowski. Yes. On, and she did sitcoms. But for us to just sit down and talk about what we're watching, it's been a minute. Well, and I've been watching a lot of things, so. Let's... Yeah, and I've been in bed for 10 days, and I've been watching a whole <laughs> hell of a lot of things I wouldn't normally watch. But I've been like in and out. Do you know what I found? When you fall asleep to like a paranormal show. Oh God. <laughs> okay. No, I've been watching Destination Fear like a lot because here's what happens. I like overdose on like the cough medication and like all the stuff I've been taking. And then they're whispering because they're in a haunted location. And then I like doze off because they're whispering. <laughs> and then something happens and they're like, ah, and then I wake up. <laughs> so it's just been like in and out of haunted TV shows and me just like mucinex dreaming. It's, it's disturbing. But yeah, so... Before we get into our recommendations, I just want to give like an open all category for you to dump in anything that you wanted to put. It, maybe they didn't fit a category. Something you've been watching that's good, but it didn't fit a category. Do you yeah, have any of those? I totally do. I have one. I just finished the first season of School of Chocolate with Chocolatier. Have you seen this? I have. You have? I know. I know. I'm going to impress you because I've been watching TV. Go ahead. Okay. Amori. And then I think his name is pronounced Guichon. Amori Guichon. He's okay. this like amazing chocolatier. He's a he, French chocolatier. He, he, yes. He's a very handsome French chocolatier. <laughs> and basically what it is, is it's a handful of chefs who compete in a series of like these elaborate chocolate and pastry challenges for $100,000 at the end. Um, and then they, there's a few other perks, but I won't spoil that. But here's what I loved about it. So unlike your other shows, so let's just say like a baking show, you're not disqualified after every round. and he, But here's what I love. It's more like the participants are in school, hence the name, School of Chocolate. Um, and Chef Amari is their teacher. And instead of like leaving them to their own devices or they're doing something like horribly, tragically wrong, he steps in and says, stop doing that. Let me show you something else. So there's so many opportunities for people to not A, embarrass themselves, but like have them come out with these amazing end results of their chocolate work it's it was a different take and i liked it i love it yeah i knew i knew you'd like it so i want to uh plug a couple of shows one so we talk about with kate casey and our interview with her adrian on hbo it was such a powerful documentary about the life and murder of actor writer and director adrian shelley she wrote the movie waitress it's now been on broadway forever just such a beautiful artistic soul and the story of what happened to her and her husband is telling the story. It's just, it's really, really impactful. So I really loved that. Real World Homecoming, Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. So I hate watched the first episode. (laughs) Here's the thing. So I'm very connected to Real World New York. Like, you know, I was like, I was crying through the whole beginning scenes when they're back in the loft. I feel very differently about Los Angeles because I just didn't like the the cast. Like, there are very few people on that cast, maybe like one, that I feel are like actually just like good people. And so they just start up the drama in episode one. It just, it wasn't good. So if you're wondering, you know, real world, yeah, they're doing another homecoming, but I'm not a fan of the LA cast. And lastly, there's a show that's coming up. So I don't know if it's good yet, but it does have... Bachelor star Wells Adams as the host, and it's a new pizza competition show. Really? Just that's the hook there. It's called Best in Dough, and it's coming to Hulu. 
That so, sounds fun. It does sound fun. So I don't know. Look out for that. All right. Let's get into the nitty gritty. We are very excited to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast, and it's one we specifically sought out because of the product and who created it. Now, when I go out, I do grab my purse keys, and now on my keys, the newest essential addition to that routine, She's Birdie. As moms, we always want to feel safe and keep our loved ones safe, and now we can with added peace of mind. Birdie is a personal safety alarm that is easy to carry, and it's simple to use. You can activate it with one quick pull, and it emits a 130-decibel siren and a flashing strobe light to help deter an attack. Unlike pepper spray, there's no danger to you or anyone using it. Invented by two moms who wanted to keep their daughters safe off at college, the alarm comes in multiple colors with a fancy brass keychain attached to attach to your keys, dog leash, or diaper bag. Over 300,000 have been sold with thousands of five-star reviews. So join the flock today. Go to she'sbirdie.com, that's S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E.com, and enter our code DOMESTIC15 to receive a 15% discount on your order while also helping out the podcast. She's Birdie, hashtag chirp loudly. Okay, so we are going to talk shows that are a little bit culty, <laughs> a little bit shocking, a little bit groundbreaking, and a little bit escapist. And then lastly, we're going to finish it off with something that we recommend for each other. Something that's a little bit Stephanie and a little bit Elizabeth. Which I love because I haven't told you the one. Well, I actually have two, but I'm excited to hear what you picked for me. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you should be excited. Okay, let's start with a little bit culty. Are you going to go? You go first. Okay. Sister Wives is back. And for their new season, they're still pretty darn culty. So at the end of last season, Cody was still being like this terrible husband. And then Christine, who's always been my favorite of the wives, threatened to leave the family. And he said, it's not something that multiple wives haven't threatened to do before. And he was just like, they say this all the time. And he rolls his eyes. And guess what happened? She fucking did it. Good. So she, this is like monumental. I don't even know how many seasons there have been. of This is, I think like Season 16. Oh my yeah. gosh. And she's leafing. She's done. It's it's crazy. So this season, I think, is mostly going to be coverage of how nasty it gets between them, which is a dumpster fire that you can't look away from. And also the family just cannot pull it together out of COVID because, like, they have to follow all these rules for him to see them. And some of the wives don't want to, and their kids are older. And then basically, in my opinion, he's just married to Robin. He's just married to the most recent wife Mm -hmm. and the other kids and wives he's just moved on from, but they still like live on this compound together. So it's totally unfair all the time. And it feels to me like he's just invested in his relationship with Robin. But it's nuts. The whole polygamy ideal that they've been just, like, hawking since season one has turned into, like, this train wreck. Well, because you're not – you're a human being. Nobody was meant to be in a relationship with that many people. Or, I mean, how many children does he have now at this point? Like 18 or something. Okay. Are you saying you wouldn't be my sister wife? No, I would be a sister wife because I know you would reciprocate. I know yeah. you would <laughs> meals. I would. Yeah, right. I'm not I'm not dissing the sister wife thing. I'm dissing the fact that this man thinks that he his penis is big enough to satisfy everyone in the country. I don't and think he's having a lot of sex. I digress. Yeah. Okay. 
for okay. you. Yes. Ooh, you're going to love this one. So this documentary is called Holy Hell. Have you seen it? No. <gasps> What's it on? It's on Netflix. Okay. Okay. So it's about this Speedo-wearing guru. What? Okay, yeah, I'm going to just... <laughs> I'm going to read the synopsis. Okay. So filmmaker Will Allen presents his story about his time in something called the Buddha field. It's like this homegrown religion turned cult uh, through his own real time video footage. Like while he was in it, he was documenting through video. I mean, we're talking like in the 80s. So, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, So he's documenting like his story among other members and their collective allegations of sexual abuse and manipulation by the spiritual guru whose name is Michel Rostand. I have heard of that. Okay, you probably have because yeah. it's, it was lots it's a legit call. It is, and yeah. it's actually still going on in Hawaii. So, of course, Michelle denies all allegations because sociopathic narcissists believe that they deserve the admiration of others and have no regard for the welfare of others. That is excellent. I do have to say there's a couple jarring moments, but I will not spoil what those are because you need to experience them on your own. Okay. But it's totally worth the watch. Well, it's going to lead us into our next (gasps) a little bit shocking. Absolutely. Okay. What I watched that was a little bit shocking is a 2020 episode called House of Horrors. This is season 40 of 2020. And it's episode 17. It was an investigation into the California home where 13 siblings were found held captive by their parents. The Turpin family. Have you heard this? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So it's recently like come about again. They're doing the interview circuit because of this 2020 special. Mm -hmm. So it looks into the family's history. It shows this is what's terrifying. The actual body cam tape of when 17-year-old Jordan Turpin called 911 from a cell phone that was left at the house, met a police officer on the corner of a neighboring street, had no idea where she was, how to route him to her. She's like scared to death that she's out of the house, but she knew she had to do this. Yeah. Something was coming. Like they were going to leave for something. She didn't want the kids to be left alone. She was worried about her younger siblings and she just decided to call 911. And she learned from watching cops that she would need evidence so she took pictures <gasps> of what was going on in the home and put them on the cell phone so you watch her tell this police officer this is what's happening and he goes okay do, do you have something to like corroborate this story or yeah. and, and she's like yes i knew you would need that and she goes to the pictures and you can just see his demeanor he was like off duty i think the story was he had just done like this big thing somewhere and he was like coming home and he got the call and he's like i'll handle it it's a runaway or whatever yeah and then this breaks good girl yeah it is amazing (gasps) it's amazing but it's also terrifying they were rescued in 2018 the kids were ages 2 to 29 when they were found i remember this story oh it's crazy yeah it is crazy a little bit shocking very shocking so I know you do not watch a lot of scripted television, <laughs> but you can or teach movies. me about it. I know. So I love historic fiction and anything that kind of connects back to history and puts a different spin on it. So there is a show on Hulu and Amazon. You can watch it on either, and it's called Taboo. And it's got Tom Hardy is in it. Yummers, because he goes along with my like rough and ready, like yeah, dirty, dirty men. Dirty men. Um, so 
he's an adventurer and his name is James Keziah Delaney. And he returns to London during the War of 1812 to rebuild his late father's shipping empire. However, the government and his biggest competitor wants his inheritance at any cost, like even murder. So it's very like mystery and intrigue. But here's the thing. There's some shit in it that happens that is like taboo. What I like about it is the script is written not to just mortify you or um, just make you cringe. It's more, it has like an Edgar Allan Poe vibe to where it's like very dark and there's weird stuff that happens, but it's not just for the sake of the like turning of your stomach. So does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So that I love. And there's also uh, Jonathan Price's in it, who I really love. And then um, Una Chaplin. She was on Game of Thrones. So Game of Thrones fans, you'll know who that is. Well, that sounds interesting. <laughs> that one, it, yeah, it is. If you like any kind of like murder mystery, um, but like a twinge of weirdness, like hop on it. <laughs> okay. A little bit groundbreaking. Ooh. Okay. New York Times presents Malfunction, the dressing down of Janet Jackson. Ooh. This is on FX and Hulu. So they are the ones that did the Britney Spears one, yes. the framing of Britney Spears. So they've actually got quite a few in that series. And this one is one of the latest. In 2004, a culture war was brewing when the Super Bowl halftime show audience saw a white man expose a black woman's breast for nine sixteenths of a second. A national fury ensued. So this talks about Janet's rise to fame as a woman of color owning her sexuality, which was like a big fucking deal in the Mm -hmm. 80s and 90s. And then how the public used the opportunity of what happened at the Super Bowl to like punish her for it. It, you don't realize how unfair yeah. it was until you take a look at what happened and when it happened. So the Super Bowl halftime show, the whole Nipplegate of 2004, it's totally stalled her career. And then JT was like rewarded for it yeah. because he like performed again at the Super Bowl. And he won a Grammy and Janet wasn't even allowed to go. Behind the scenes, it's interesting because they never actually answer the question. Basically, it's just because you want to know, like, how did it wasn't a mistake? Like, yeah. what actually happened? So it was a planned move planned after final rehearsals, a plot of wardrobe stylists and performers to get people talking, basically. But apparently it was a malfunction. Like, it didn't go exactly as planned. We still don't know the whole truth. But from what was said about what was supposed to happen, I guess a red, like, brassiere was supposed to be shown. And instead it was, like, the whole whole thing. The whole kitten caboodle. Yeah. So it is interesting, but it really dives into sort of like the unfairness between men and women, between black and white. And it's just a really interesting investigation. And then when I looked up like the reviews of it, mm-hmm. a lot of people thought that it wasn't good. Like they, they said it was like making kind of like mountains out of molehills and it wasn't all, but it was all that. Yeah. Like it was a big deal. And there are people that are interviewed that basically like almost lost their jobs over this one thing that happened. It's just crazy. You want to see my boob with my? Is um, it pierced? Her nipple was pierced, and she has the tattoo around it. The well, and that's why everyone said that it was on purpose because a woman wouldn't have a piercing there if she wasn't going to show it to someone. That was one what? of the arguments. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I've got piercings all over my body. <laughs> 
don't show anyone. Not be showing anyone. Um, okay. Okay. So my little bit groundbreaking is called Daughters of Destiny. Ooh. And this is a beautiful, beautiful story on Netflix. And what it does is it follows a group of kids, specifically this group of girls, at a school in India that's trying to break the cycle of poverty one child at a time. So the name of the school is called Shanti Bhavan, and in Hindi, that means an abode for peace. What happened, basically, is this gentleman who came over to the United States to earn his doctorate, and he worked as a teacher, and he was a banker. He started a software business and then sold it to a Fortune 500 company, got all this money. After, you know, a series of time away from his homeland in Mm -hmm. India, he came back and he looked at all these people living in poverty, specifically the children, and he was like, I can't. I I can't leave here and not do something about it. So he started this school. So basically what happens is for each new class, there's 12 girls and 12 boys that they select like from an application system. Like the parents have to apply their children to the program. It's for families who earn less than $2 a day. (sighs) And Shanti Bhavan, the school... Um, pays for all of their expenses from preschool to college. And what is amazing is these kids get taken literally from preschool. And I shouldn't say taken. Like their parents want them to have a better life. But as the documentary follows these girls, you see this huge conflict internally as they get older because they're at the school, they're very empowered. They're able to hang around boys and, you know, really interact with them. And nothing is said because it's a very um, accepting and equal environment for all the kids who are part of the program. But then for holidays, they go back home. And so they're returning to these small villages that they came from. And now they're educated. So these girls are going back into the environment they came from and they're educated. They're speaking up. They're saying they're calling out injustices, and it's just it's an amazing story that I think everybody should just watch and really learn from because it's it's very eye opening. Wow, and that's hey, that's unscripted. What's that? It's unscripted, right? It is unscripted. Yeah, wow, I'm so proud of you. Okay, <laughs> a little bit escapist. Mm. Okay, this one I have too because. They're very different. So, one, The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip on Peacock. So, I can feel you rolling your eyes, but this is a lavish girls trip on TV. So, it's totally escapist. They put up, I think there's five of them, um, housewives from different seasons. Somebody from Beverly Hills, somebody from... Two from Atlanta, mm-hmm. two from Jersey. They put them up in this mansion in Turks and Caicos for seven days. It's cool to watch because, like, you're watching these personalities interact. And, you know, everybody thinks they're, like, the most beautiful girl in the room. So they all kind of, like, conflict in that way. But Ramona is a monster and she shouldn't be on TV. Like, I will <laughs> die on that hill. I can't stand her. And the fact that they put her in this series, to me, just ruins it because then there's fighting in every episode because she's just a terrible person. Now, where is Ramona from? Um, New York City. Okay. And she's been on it forever and she is, she's terrible. (laughs) Yeah, so she kind of ruins it. So then I had to think of another recommendation. So (laughs) 
the world's most amazing vacation rentals on Netflix. Ooh. Okay. Yes. So I've watched this before. Um, there's, I think, two seasons now, but uh, with an eye for every budget, three travelers visit vacation rentals around the globe and share their expert tips and tricks in this reality series. Yes, there's two seasons. So I started watching season two. There is a house in the desert and it's called like the invisible house because it's built with like glass so it just reflects the desert itself and it's just this long and you can stay there and you just open up the end and like there's desert and the whole thing has a pool like a olympic length running the whole there's these places are nutty and it's like who they're always like film producers and people that are like i just wanted to Build a house in the, in the middle, middle of, of nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is pretty cool. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's cool to see those things. Those things. All right. What's your escapist? Okay, for my escapist, I am rewatching the first season of The Witcher. Ooh, we've talked about this. Yeah. So Henry Caviezel, yummy gentleman. Season two is coming out on December 17th of this, you know, it's been like long awaited because. Okay. First of all, side conversation. I hate it when they put out a series and then they're like, in two years, <laughs> you will see the next season. And you know, you're dead to me by then. Yeah. I don't even know who you are. Anyway, so season two is coming out. So the the premise of this season, it's completely a fantasy. So right. fantasy based on like these fantasy books. So this character, Henry Caviezel, his name is Gerald. Um, he's a mutated monster hunter for hire. And he journeys toward his destiny in this like huge turbulent world that's fighting. And he wants to prove that he's more than just this like killer and beast. He wants to show like his humanity. Um, and it's really this cool series of like monsters and fairies and fate and it's everything imaginary and henry caviezel's just kind of like sexy yeah so <laughs> i think to just watch it for so that just, and if you need a list of all the things that you should all the sexy dirty men you should watch maybe i'll put together a list you should you should do it like what we talked about with kate yeah if you like if you like this you'll like this okay i'm yeah. gonna i'm working on it i'm working okay. on the infographic yeah can't okay. wait to see mine if you like boy bands You'll like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you like paranormal and boy bands, you if, might like. If you like this murderer, <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited to hear. It. Uh, so it's our little bit of Stephanie, a little bit of Elizabeth. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Okay. So I actually have two for you. Oh. Because sometimes I don't know how to read you when it comes to these non-scripted TV. No I mean, when you does. told me about the under. Under the Deck or whatever the hell that show is called. Below Deck. Below Deck. I just, oh, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I, no, so there's this one that I read, kind of like just some reviews of, and it's called Selling Sunset. Yes. Have, did you watch it? No, so I, I can't watch it because those women aren't real. Like, they all are Barbies with big heads. They, like, I can't, I, yeah, I, I everybody likes it. I will give you that. Okay. I, I just don't watch it. But okay, so... Apparently, that is not a good representation of Stephanie, and she will not be watching that series. But I have a backup. See, this oh, is why I did too. Okay. I the, should have done too. Ooh, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Yes, I watched it. Oh, shit. No, it's good. Oh, my God. I love it. And this is so Stephanie. So, yeah. And you know what? Now that I think of it, maybe like earlier in the year you told me about it, and that's why I watched it. Oh, yeah? Okay. So, 21-year-old Canadian college student 
is it Elisa? Is that how you say her name? Yes. Lisa Lamb. She mysteriously mm-hmm. disappears at the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. And this this hotel has like this series of like murders and suicides and creepy things and horrible things happening there. So it's got this huge long history of like weird happenings. And then this girl from Canada just she wants to like go on a little adventure and she tiptoes on a bus to LA and then she like disappears and what's creepy about it is that they have actual video footage of her in the hotel yeah I had yeah I had nightmares like for days after thinking about that girl yeah so I just thought that was very Stephanie and yes it is and you know what the Cecil is like it's closed down but I've watched people that go behind the scenes and somebody that I've watched on YouTube actually got in there and like went to the, cause it's it, people like murderers have had yeah. hotel rooms there and stuff. It just has a deep, dark history and it's just standing there in the middle of the nowhere in a not so great neighborhood. And the guy who got in, he lives across the street in his apartment and he became like obsessed with it because he used to see lights just go on. In the hotel, like different places. Ew, after like, it was closed down. Yes. Ew. And he's like, there's no reason there should be a light on. It's very weird. But a cool show. Chills. Mine is School of Chocolate on Netflix. Oh, nice. <laughs> At least I know you. You totally do. It finally happened. We finally oh my gosh. did one of each other's. Yes. That's I watched awesome. it because I knew you would love it. Somebody on one of my Facebook pages, um, she actually is a part of the show. Oh. <gasps> Team, and so she was telling people, like, watch it, tell me what you think. It's different because yeah. of how it's set up, right? They, they're not eliminated. It's more of, like, a learning thing. Yes. And that gives you a chance to really connect to all the characters because they're not just, like, voted off. Yeah. So I knew you would love it. Aww. I watched the whole darn thing. But, yeah, and Chef Amari, it's funny because he's French. Like, you can't tell if he's going to say something nice or rude. No. It gets all in the same tone. Yes, and he... It's like this expression. Yeah, he'll be like polite but rude. He'll be like, well, this is beautiful and very disappointing. Yes. And it's like, what? What? This tastes good, but it looks abysmal. And yeah. it, I, I just, I love the learning element of it. Yeah. Okay, well, I have another one that I just thought of because something kind of funny happened. So I know you won't watch it, but the real world road rules cha- the challenges just called the challenge oh so God. they're you know how they're doing all stars now yeah so this is the second season of all stars where they bring back your favorites from like the real world one and two and three right okay so there was this girl at the time ayana and she was just like such a fierce competitor. Like, she just wanted to compete. This is, like, what she's known for. When she was voted out back when it used to be, like, a popular... It wasn't to win or lose an, an elimination. It was everyone just voted you out. Oh. And she was like, I slept in my uniform. She just feels things so, like, she's like, live or die the challenge, right? Yeah. So she hasn't been seen in, like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So she's on this one. And what's cool is that they show all these characters that you know from like years and years ago. Mm -hmm. And her and this, and I don't know if they're single moms or just moms. I couldn't really figure that out. But two of the women were for the elimination voted in against each other. And they're both moms. And um, it was a really hard elimination where they have to haul 300 pound big boxes across the sand and then do a puzzle. And it was, it's just crazy. Hmm. So Ayana goes into like warrior mode and she 
pulls that box across the stands like it was like three pounds. Like well, she, because she's a mother and she's like, I got to get this shit done. Exactly. <laughs> she's like, I went into like labor mode. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do this. And so she does it. It's amazing. But here's the moment that you just, I didn't expect it. I was watching it in the kitchen. I was cooking and watching it on my iPad and I just start choking on my tears. So she wins. She beats Leah, who was this other mom who she had befriended. Yeah. And she goes over to Leah's side. This has never happened before. And says, oh, no, girl. She goes, you are going to feel your power today. You are going to finish this competition. And she helps her finish, haul her box across the sand and finish the competition. And then they show, and who knows if this was like editor's tricks or what, but like, everybody that's watching in the stands, like the rest of the cast, is crying because it was so powerful. And I was so moved by this moment that I was like, way to go for moms. Like, what a great thing to put out there. We're going to support each other. Like, that has actually never, I've watched this show forever that has never happened. And so I messaged her from our MDM The Pod. I knew you did. And I said, I I just said, hey, I was like crying at the elimination. You absolute hero. Thank you for giving a great name to all moms everywhere. Guess what? I got a voice message. What? This is probably not going to be a big deal to anyone but me. But those of you who watch it, this is pretty cool. Here, I'll play it. Man, thank you so much. You know, I'm looking at uh, your page and your site and and truly, you know, this work (laughs) of being a parent, especially during a pandemic, is not an easy task. So I pulled on all of that in the challenge. Even as I speak to you, I got my little one right here. Um, She can have that. It's okay. Um, She can have it. You can play with it, but you can't eat that, okay? Because that makes you itchy, so you can't eat it. No, this side. Okay, you're a little sensitive to that. Oh, I'm still recording. Okay, yes. Thank you so much for listening and hope all is well. And I hope that we keep entertaining you for the rest of the season. Peace. Isn't what? that How cool? cool was she did that? not have to do that. It's very cool. I mean, she is a powerhouse on this season. And she's just such a great mom. And I just had to share that because I think it's super fun. And now you have to watch the episode. I will watch the episode. I was surprised. I was like, oh my God, I'm crying in the kitchen. Yeah, because it was just so powerful. It was so cool. And can I can I just mention that she is literally leaving a mess. This is how moms yeah. <laughs> just, just while do they're doing eight other things. Yeah. No, you can't eat that. You'll have right. an allergic reaction and I'm leaving a voice message. Oh my gosh, I love her. Yeah. Well that's it. I mean, those were exciting. Those were good. And I think that, you know, we're getting to know each other even more. <laughs> Because I could tell. I know. I just saw that and I was like, because it's it's one of those, if you like the Great British Baking Show, you will like School of Chocolate. I just had to watch it. So you kind of cheated. No, I didn't. <laughs> and I watched the whole gosh. I didn't just watch one. I watched the whole thing. Well, you are very sweet. Do you uh, know who won? School of Chocolate? Yeah, I watched oh, okay. the whole thing. It was amazing. We won't spoil it. but I yeah. thought your girls would love it too. No, they did. They watched it. We yeah. all watched it together. Sorry. Well, here's to you. Here's to us. Here's to moms. Oh, these are. Oh, that's a good one. Do it again. Our little glasses. We're having a little cordial of Bailey's. Ooh. That was a pretty one. I'm going to have to isolate it. Wait, and do use it, it again. one more time because. It's like music box. Um, here's to you. Here's to us. Cheers to moms. And come sip with us again next week. See ya.
I kid you not, I was in that fucking yoga class and I like farted. I never. I would totally fart in yoga. I know I would. Because I like opened something up. And I'm like, yes. What the hell is that? Or if you've ever been adjusted by the chiropractor. Yeah, and then it like opens oh. up the floodgates of like gases. Oh my God. Okay. Here we go. 